the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Foundations are important, and when they get damaged, problems happen. There was a time when I was in middle school, I don't know, seventh, eighth, something like that, and had gotten home from, from school. My sister and I had gotten off the bus, gotten home, and if I remember correctly, uh, we were home alone at that time, and so we're just looking for something to do. My sister, uh, four years younger than than I, and so uh, we were just playing, hanging around, and and we lived in Northeast Ohio, and it had a fairly decent-sized lawn. And so one of the things that our our family had to mow the lawn was uh, an international um, cub, right? Like a Think big tractor, right? I don't know, 1950s era, like candy apple red, big tractor. It could plow or it could mow the lawn. It had like a 60 inch mower deck. It could plow uh, the, the driveway when we got lake effect snow in the winter, right? And it was, it was fun. And if you know anything about uh, old tractors, they were um, fast and powerful, right? And so I, I would get on this thing and go for a ride. And so what I did that day, my sister and I, we went out and took a little cruise around our yard just to have fun, kill time. And it was a nice day outside. And I had it going full speed, right? Third gear. It was going quick. And if you know anything about those tractors, the throttle is right there. All the way up, you know, like it, fully open. And we were hauling. And I'd done this a million times. I'd cut the lawn. You know, what I was, I was very comfortable with this. And so what I would do is that I would uh, go really fast. And then when it was time to park the tractor, would pull inside the garage, going way faster than I should have. But generally speaking, my foot, one foot would grab the clutch, one foot would hit the brake, and I, everything would be all good 
good to go. Not this day, though. <laughs> this day, as I mentioned, my sister was on my lap. We're riding together and having, having fun. And so when it came time to grab the clutch and hit the brake, my sister was between my legs and the steering wheel, and I couldn't maneuver my legs to get to the clutch and the brake quickly enough. And so here I am heading into the garage. And it's, it's worth knowing, too, that our garage, it was an extra deep bay. So not only was the tractor parked in this bay, but was what was parked behind the tractor? My dad's 1969 Z28 Camaro that he bought when he was 20 years old and it was the original owner of, right? And so, had a split-second decision to make. House, car, house, car, house, car. And what did I choose? House. <laughs> and crashed into the house and went you know, flying forward and a little rattled, tractor stalls out. And there was damage done. Damage done to the house. I heard someone say, not to the car. I'll get to that point in a second. Damage done to the house and to the tractor, right? So the frame on the tractor was cracked. Right? And the house, I mean, we were going so quickly that the garage was almost like moved off of its foundation, right? <laughs> like it was set several inches back. Um, the fact that I'm still standing here today goes to show how gracious and merciful my father was and still is, right? And caused a lot of damage because foundations are important. It was fixable, sort of. I'll also say this, though. Parents since then have sold the house. Parents since then have sold the tractor. My dad still owns the car. Right? So, did I make the right choice? I think so. All right? However, point being, foundations are important. Foundations are crucial. And when they get damaged, when they're weak, when we don't even know where the foundation is or what it is, we have problems. Today, in our text from Matthew 16, Jesus is talking about foundations. Well, he gets there, at least. He's with his disciples, and they're uh, way up north at this time. Here's, here's a map um, if you, for a point of reference, right? Sea of Galilee, Dead Sea. Here's, here's Jerusalem way down here. They were up at the very north of Israel, Caesarea, Philippi. One of the farthest places Jesus ever was from Jerusalem. And he's with uh, his disciples in this place, way up north. They're on a, a little bit of retreat, of a retreat. And he asks them this question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who is Jesus? Like that's what he's getting at. That's the question we need to be thinking about today. And 
the disciples answered Jesus. Well, some say John the Baptist, who had recently lost his head, right? So John the Baptist reincarnated. Some say uh, Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So a couple things we can infer. Uh, first of all, um, disciples have been talking to people. They heard what other people had to say. When, who do people say that I am? They, they could give an answer. That's cool. But also, look at these answers. They're not malicious. They're honest answers from people really trying to figure out who Jesus was. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, his enemies were saying other things, <laughs> calling him a drunkard, calling him a glutton, calling Jesus the devil. That's not this, these answers, this list of answers at all. These are not malicious answers, but they are, shall we say, incomplete, inadequate answers. And so Jesus, through this discussion, and this is a, a pretty normal rabbinical uh, form of teaching, back and forth discussion with his disciples, Jesus is listening. He hears what he, they say, but he asks again, okay, that's who they say they, I am. Who do you say that I am? And this is where Peter gives his mighty confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Ha <laughs> ha! Bingo! Right on! That's awesome. I mean, we dog on Peter sometimes, right? And, and rightly so. Peter makes some mistakes throughout Scripture. Not this time, though. This time, he got it right. And Jesus gives him, well, encouragement. Uh, he gives him praise. gives him a pep talk, right? Pep, standing for praise, explanation, and a promise. So let's look at this scripture. Praise. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing to be blessed, right? Uh, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. We think of the Beatitudes, right? Blessed is Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. He's the, that's his dad's name. Right? That's how people were related to and referred to at that time. So Jesus praises Peter's confession. Jesus also gives a, a, a little bit of explanation to this. How did this happen? How did, how did Peter, did, wow, he must have been studying pretty hard for this exam to get the right answer and get the teacher's approval. Well, actually, that wasn't the case. Jesus clarifies for everyone listening and for us today, there's one way that Peter knew this. It wasn't because of flesh and blood or ordinary human means. How was it revealed to Peter? Jesus says, by my Father in heaven. Peter had been given this 
confession of Jesus as Christ, the Son of the living God, as a gift. So, Jesus praised him, Jesus explained this, and then Jesus gives a promise. He says this, and this is the the basis of our sermon series right now. He says, I will build my church upon this, upon you, upon your confession. What does he call Peter here? Calls him the rock, right? The word here in Greek is Petros. This is a little rock. Uh, we, we know that Christ is the Petra, the big rock, right? The solid rock of our foundation. So, what is Peter's nickname? Rocky, right? Someone as a, who is a fan of the Rocky movies. Uh, I like that one. Peter is little is Rocky. He's not just. The son of Jonah, he's part of the family. He's got a nickname. His nickname is, is Rock. The same name as, as his Lord, as Christ, as the son of the living God. Peter is the son of the heavenly father. And upon this confession, Christ will build his church. Christ has built his church. Sometimes the gospel of Matthew is referred to as the church's gospel. Think of it this way. The Lord's Prayer, the version we use, is found in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Trinitarian formula, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we say beginning and baptism of services, or beginning and end of services, uh, baptisms, and beyond. Where is that? Matthew 28. Uh, the discourse of the ch- to the church, one of Jesus' five teachings found in the book of Matthew, is found in Matthew chapter 18. And this is the only of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is the only Gospel book that has the word church. Two places it shows up. Matthew 16 here and Matthew 18 in the discourse to the church. It's the gospel of the church and Jesus will build whose church? Your church? My church? No, his church. It's Jesus' church. It's he who builds the church. Not you, not, Je- not me, Jesus. And today we talk about that foundation, the confession that he is the Christ, the son of the living God upon which this church is built. One more thing about the promise. Where are they at? They're in the region of Caesarea Philippi, way up north. In ancient Greek, uh, in ancient Greek, uh, Greek uh, a custom, there, there were some ancient Greek gods and temples to ancient Greek gods that were built at this place in Caesarea Philippi. Let's look back at the picture here at the map. 
Caesarea Philippi, this is where the headwaters of the Jordan River are. So we can see the Jordan River running down here. Well, the spring, uh, one of the springs that feeds the Jordan River, comes from a cave that's in Caesarea Philippi. And around that cave, there are several uh, pagan, tem temp uh, pagan temples that are built. You can go there and see the ruins to this day. And they worshipped there the Greek god Pan, half goat, half man. They worshipped him. And they thought that this cave, the cave that they're looking at, this cave in this region, the ancient Greeks thought were the gates of hell, the gates of Hades. Some pretty um, immoral and abominable things happened at these temples. Sexual rituals would happen there. Child sacrifice would happen there in these pagan cults, all to appease the God, what they thought, the little g, God of the underworld. It was evil. And this is the place where Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, of course, we, we, we don't, you know, someone doesn't take a gate and use it as a weapon to beat someone out. But, you know, synecdoche is going on here, right? Uh, Jesus is envisioning the gates of hell opening up and the hordes of hell and the demons running out and, and all these things that are nasty will not prevail against Christ's church. The church will Stand. Jesus did not build his church to be destroyed. Jesus' church is eternal. It goes on today and into eternity. It's pretty cool. We need to take a, a moment to look at, though, this confession that is the foundation upon which the church is built. What's Peter's confession? The Christ, the Son of the living God. All right? So Christ, uh, Messiah is the Old Testament word. Christ is, is kind of the Greek word, right? Anointed one is the meaning here. This is referring to the, the, the person that the Jews of that time were looking to. Who's going to be the Christ? Namely, who's going to come from the line of David? Who's going to be the king of Israel? Who is going to deliver us from Roman occupation and oppression? Jesus is the king. This is, this is the only place, or the first place in Matthew's gospel where someone, either a person or a demon, any kind of person, or, uh, um, uh, I don't know, person, I guess you say there, confesses that Jesus is the Christ. This is profound. Matthew tells us this, but this is the first time from a character, 
from the mouth of a character. Jesus is not only the king, he's also the son of the living God. We confess this in our creeds. What do we say? We say, say that he is God of gods. Almighty God of uh, begotten, not made. Right? We, we, we say these things. He has a relationship with God in heaven that's different than anyone else. When he's called Son of God, he is called God. So this is very profound, what's happening here. And it's worth noting this distinction. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the foundation of the church, and this is what distinguishes the Christian church from other world religions. Who do people say that Jesus is? Well, the spiritual but not religious people of our world might say that oh, Jesus was a, a good teacher. But they don't say that he is Christ, the Son of God, right? And, and to be clear here, like what I'm trying to do is I want to be fair in representing this. If someone from a different world religion, a different adherent uh, of a different religion is here, I want them to be able to say, yes, I, I, that is in fact what I believe. It's important for us to make these distinctions and just know the difference, right? So we can see the difference uh, confessed by those who are spiritual but not religious. What about Jews? Judaism. Well, they do not think that Jesus is the Christ, the king to come, right? And they do not think that he's the son of God. They just, they don't. And so uh, that is, uh, you know, we as Christians, we'd say, well, <laughs> you missed it, right? Jesus came from the Jews, for the Jews, right? But Jews today don't, don't profess that, don't confess that. Islam, they hold Jesus in pretty high regard. They consider him a prophet of the Most High, kind of like the people in Jesus' day were saying. But he's not the Son of God. That's insulting to them, insulting to their understanding of God being one. Mormonism, or Church of Latter-day Saints, they say, uh, they'll say something like this, that Jesus is not God's only begotten son, right? The, the saying in Mormonism is, is like this, um, as we are, he once was, as he is, we will become, or will, will be, right? Point being, Jesus used to be just a mere man who earned his way to be a God and that we, mere mortals, can work our way to be a God. Jehovah's Witness. Uh, they think that Jesus was created, not eternal. They think he was created originally as the archangel Michael and that he is a lesser God 
than God the Father. That's different, a different foundation than what we as Orthodox Christians build upon and believe and confess. The problem here can be this, that we, even as Christians, sometimes can take our eye off the ball and look for the church to be built on a different foundation. We can look for the church to be built on the foundation of morality. If only we, we get our act together as a, as a people, as a, as a nation, and, and we have the right respect for life and treat life, both the aged and the unborn, properly, well, that, that, that's enough, right? Or, or we can build on the foundation of sexuality. God made man and woman. And that we see that, a proper understanding of, of sexuality as the foundation we, we build upon. Or we can say, no, our educational philosophy. We need, to teach our, we need to get back to teaching our kids reading, writing, and arithmetic. Now, all those things may be true. But that's not the foundation that we build upon. We can also say this, that the church is built upon the foundation of hard work, work ethic, and, and a good business plan. So that when we plant a missionary somewhere, well, we've got a good business model that we're following. Or we can say that the church is built on tradition, or so that I can be an equally equal opportunity offender, uh, that the church is built on innovation. Both of those things, all of these things, in and of themselves aren't bad, but they aren't the foundation upon which Christ builds his church. None of those things are the rock upon which Jesus builds upon. What's the rock? The confession of Christ, of Jesus, as the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the cross of Christ, upon which we have been given life, we have been given salvation, we have been given victory and forgiveness. Think about it. If Jesus was just... A, a good man or a prophet or a good teacher or if he was just a, a, a mere mortal who, who worked his way up to the cross, uh, that might be an inspiration for us. Think of an inspirational poster, right? To, you know, we can uh, uh, hang up on our bedroom wall the sacrifice poster. Yeah, see? Be like Jesus. Jesus and his death on the cross can be an inspiration, but it can't give us salvation. The suffering and death of Christ, the King of kings, and the Son of God, very God of very God, begotten, not made, what does that give us? What does that give you? What does that give me? It gives us Salvation. Salvation that's firm. Salvation that's solid. Salvation that can't be shaken, that can't be broken, that's 
even if the gates of hell open up and there's immorality all around us and we feel that everywhere we go, we're under siege from the devil himself, Christ will build his church. Amen? And that has been revealed to us as a gift from the Father through his word, through the sacraments, through baptism, through holy communion given to us so that we may rest assured in our hope and salvation. Dillon Community Church, a couple minutes away on the other side of the lake, um, they are working on starting a school. That's something that uh, um, we need up here in, in Summit County, a, a, a Christian school, right? In fact, this past week, this, the school that they started has officially incorporated. Also know that... Uh, they plan, at least initially, to start with elementary grades. We'll see exactly where that goes. It's going to, be, it's going to be next year that they get off the ground. So they're laying the foundation at this point. And, oh, who's the principal of the new school? Brandon Lance, a member of our congregation. And so he stepped down from his job at Summit Middle School, and he's going to be the, the principal of this new school that Dillon Community church is starting. But we need to back up for a few, a few months here. What was this? March? April? I'm not sure exactly. But I was having coffee with Dillon Community Church's pastor, Pastor Jim, and I asked him, how are things going as you're looking to develop a, a Christian school? And he, he gave a response that I think was pretty wise. He said, you know, when we started to talk about starting a Christian school, got together with the leaders of the, our congregation in order to discern whether or not we should actually do it. Like, it's kind of a big undertaking to get a school up off the ground. And so he had just asked the question, why should we start a school to this whole group of leaders. And there's various responses uh, to, to Pastor Jim's question, right? Um, well, the educational philosophy at the public schools, it's, it's just off. We have, to, we have to start something that's more in line with our, our Christian values, right? Uh, or some might have said things like, there's poor test, response, uh, test results in the public schools. Look at our kids. They need a better education option. Some said, we need to start a school that just isn't woke. Take it for what it is. But he rephrased the question. He said, okay, okay. But why should a church start a school? Eventually, where they landed was this to provide the families 
of Summit County an educational option that teaches and confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. And to that, Pastor Jim said, let's go. <laughs> All right. We've got it. We know our purpose. We know what we're for. We know what we confess. Let's go. And as I'm sitting there having this conversation with, with Pastor Jim, I recognize quickly, I'm in. I can get behind that. I believe that Jesus is going to work through this school to do what? To build his church in this place. May he receive all glory and honor and praise and worship. Amen.